Well, today we're continuing my opening sermon series entitled Let's Dance. And if I, I haven't had a chance to get to know you, uh, whether you're new with, if maybe you're new with us today or whether you're joining us online today and, or maybe you're coming back to New Promise Presbyterian Church after the pandemic, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Jeff Lee. And wow, it's been a couple weeks of serving as your new senior pastor and it's been a great couple weeks. And boy, this past week was fantastic. Uh, someone said it best in the kitchen sometime this week. The person, someone said, it's like the church is smiling again, right? Because with Vacation Bible School and with Christine and her team and to seeing so many children, both the morning session and afternoon session and, and the smiles and, and all the activities going around here. And then the mission trip, the local mission trip for the high school students, right? Jersey 2021 and both whether here or in Basking Ridge or in New York City and then coming back together to share about God's goodness that we just sang about. All week long, right, I believe the church building and the church overall, I believe those words were prophetic and true and encouraging that the church is smiling again. And as we move into this new chapter, it's, it's an exciting time to be a part of New Providence Presbyterian Church. And, and as we get started, as I've shared these prior weeks at this sermon series entitled Let's Dance, it's, it's an analogy, it's a description of really of all relationships, but specifically leadership. Right, and so if I invited you to say those words, I invite you to say them again, partially to wake up on a hot, muggy day, but because I think it invites us to go. Say those words, let's dance. Let's dance. Say it even louder, let's dance. Let's dance, right? Those words are words of, of adventure. Those words are words that invite trust. Right? And that's the case for all relationships. And no doubt, leadership. And so as I've started out with you as a church family, looking at this description of our time together like a dance. Sometimes that could be used in a negative way with relationships, but in the most positive way, right, a dance or when two people find a rhythm together and there's great joy in the process. But that doesn't come right away. In our instant microwave culture, we want that right away, but it takes time, right? And so if you've, when our dance partners come together, it takes getting to know one another. It takes a, someone who's leading or guiding another person who's learning to follow and trust. And so that's what these opening weeks are all about. And so I've shared with you, I'm bringing to you my best, some of my best moves, not dance moves, right, but moves in terms of topics and themes and convictions, how God's worked in my life, in my faith, and also how he's shaped my leadership as a pastor. And so my goal in these opening weeks is to provide for you a window into my faith in Christ and a window into how I'm gonna seek to love and lead and shepherd you as a church family. And so today's focus is this, that God restores our stories for his glory. I invite you to read that with me. Our, God restores our stories for his glory. Right, and that's gonna be the focus of today. The sermon title is called To Be Told. And I borrowed this sermon title from a book that's meant a lot to me uh, by author and professor Dan Allender, someone who's brought together the Bible and psychology in a powerful way for me and for so many. Right, and in this book, he opens up the book with a couple questions and thoughts I want to lead with this morning. Listen to this. He says, if I asked you to tell me your story, what would you say? Let me say that again. If I asked you to tell me your story, what would you say? Would you mention the pressures you're facing at work or at home? Would you talk about where you went to college? Would you tell me it's none of your business? Everyone has a story, everyone. Put another way, everyone's life is a story. But most people don't know how to read their life 
in a way that reveals their story. They miss the deeper meaning in their life, and they have little sense of how God has written their story to reveal himself and his own story. Well, today I want to invite you to consider your life as a story. And to consider, perhaps maybe for the first time, how God reveals himself in and through your story. There's parts of our stories that we like. There's many parts of our stories that we don't like. If we're honest with God, with ourselves, and with others, we live in a broken and unkind world, don't we? And so our life stories are impacted negatively as we spend any time on what Mike just prayed on, this circling ball in the outer space called the earth, right? It's an unkind world. But our life is a story. And so as we think about that, the question is, who's writing our story? Who's editing our story? And to what extent are we making ourselves available to the great author and editor himself, God? Because God who loves you, God who knows you by name, God who wants to help you write your story, edit your story. We're going to consider that today. So where do I get this idea from? Ultimately, it comes from Scripture, right? Everything I preach is going to come from Scripture, not just Jeff's ideas. And so as we look at the passage today, we're going to look at a passage in the New Testament letter of 2 Corinthians. Right here in this letter, the Apostle Paul, right, who traveled throughout the Mediterranean region, God used him powerfully to share the message about Jesus Christ, about his life, his death, and his resurrection. That Paul then established church communities throughout the Mediterranean region. And as he did, he would then move on and he would write letters back to these communities. And those letters have become a majority of our New Testament in the Bible. And so in terms of Corinth, he had two letters to this community. This community needed a lot of help. There were a lot of issues, a lot of divisions, a lot of strife. If at any moment in our church family we think we've got struggles or any other church family has struggles because every church has struggles, just open the letters of First and Second Corinthians. They were a mess. They were a mess. But God's grace and truth came to them. So in the middle of the second letter to, to the Corinthians, Paul shares about how uh, he's making a case for his ministry because some were questioning Paul. Right, Paul, who wasn't one of the original disciples, Paul, whose life had clearly been changed by a vision of the resurrected Jesus, but he was pr the primary witness of his own experience. And so in that time, you had traveling teachers and philosophers. They would go from city to city. And as they did, people would wonder, are they worth listening to? And so these teachers and philosophers would bring with them a letter of recommendation, others who would validate their teaching and philosophy. The Apostle Paul didn't bring such letters, though. And so many questioned him. And so Paul in this passage makes a case for a different kind of letter, a different kind of letter in the form of a life story, the life stories of the dear brothers and sisters in Christ that he invested in and loved. And so I give that background because this passage could seem a little cryptic without that background. Let, let, take a look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, as we think about our life as a story. Listen to this. Paul writes, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Listen to this. You yourselves are our letters, or our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. Everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. 
not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Right? So as we read this passage, we see in verse, verse 1 here, right, that Paul asks two questions, right? Are we commending ourselves? Do we have letters of recommendation? The answer is no. And Paul says, I don't bring a normal letter of recommendation like other traveling teachers and philosophers. Paul didn't need such a letter, right? He had a recommendation, and that recommendation or that validity of his ministry were the people that he loved and invested in. It was, it was people, individuals whose lives had been changed by Jesus Christ. And the people of Corinth, the city of Corinth, they saw it, they knew it, they saw a difference in these early Christians, that their lives were different because they had some type of supernatural encounter with the God of all creation. And the God of all creation was revealed in Jesus Christ, and their lives had been changed. But look at this description. Paul says, you yourselves, in verse 2, are our letter. And then he has two descriptions. One, he says, written on our hearts. Right, Paul, this is personal to Paul. Because he had loved these dear people. He had invested in them. He had seen God's work in their lives. And it had impacted him personally all the way to his heart, to the core of his being. Right, that's one aspect. Second, we read in verse, in that last part of verse 2, he says that they are a letter that's known and read by everyone. Right, this wasn't just something that was personal to them or private, but it was visible. That something was happening, something was different, that these Corinthians, these people of Corinth who had decided to follow Jesus Christ, to believe in him as Lord and Savior, that their lives were different, and everyone saw it. And so in many ways, Paul didn't need a letter. He didn't need something on parchment. Their lives showed that God was at work. Right? Think about nowadays. Would we ever apply for a job without a cover letter, right? a, a resume, and a list of references? Um, Looking at Ben Lowe right through the thing there. If I had submitted my application months ago for New Providence Presbyterian Church senior pastor role and said, just, just go with me, how would that have gone? Ben would have been like, delete, game over, right? <laughs> no, we all provide those types of things. Paul's saying, I don't need a resume. I don't need a cover letter. I have these dear Christians whose lives, whose life stories have been changed forever by the living God. So how are they changed? He gives two descriptions here in verse three, right? He says that it's not by, in terms of, he says not by ink, but with the spirit of the living God. This is important, right? Ink, which is temporary. Ink, right back then, it was like black gum that was put together that was, then if you took some type of reed and, and broke it off and it became like a modern day pen. Right? And that ink would be written on parchment. But that ink was temporary. That ink wasn't alive. That ink would not last forever. Paul says, no, lives weren't being changed like ink. Lives are being changed by the spirit of the living God. Meaning the Holy Spirit, the spirit that we talked about last week that is given to us and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit as God's precious possession forever. Right? And it's a seal that marks us as being owned by God and ultimately protected by God. A life story is changed by the spirit of the living God. He's like, that's one aspect. The other one, he says, and then he says this, he says, they've been changed not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Interesting descriptions, right? For the listeners at that point, that would have, and for us today, that would have reminded them and us of the Ten Commandments, right? That were written on stone tablets. And Paul here is saying that their life stories were changed not from the outside in, not just from laws and morality from the outside in, 
though there are good laws and the laws that need to be seen and known to follow God, but he said those, those laws in themselves, those rules don't change a life. Lives aren't changed from the outside in. Paul is saying here, because of the miracle of God and because of Jesus Christ and his spirit, lives are changed from the inside out. Right, that their hearts were being changed. And this likens back to two great Old Testament descriptions and predictions and prophecies of what would happen in light of the coming Messiah. That there would be a new way, a new chapter, a new covenant. And it would no longer be God working from the outside in, from his laws to try and change someone's behavior. But it would be a change from the inside out. Right? The first one back in the Old Testament of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31. Listen to this. He says this. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. He says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Right, in a similar way, he goes, it says, similar in Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. Listen to this. He says, For I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Listen to this. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. See, the promise of God in the Old Testament looking towards the new is that God would have a different approach. It wouldn't be from the outside in, like rules and regulations and live up to the standard, but that God would give us something powerful, something personal, his personal powerful presence, the Holy Spirit, to live in us, right, to change us, and we read in Ezekiel to move us to follow his commands. It's a different approach, a different way. And that's what happened with these dear Corinthian Christians. I love this description. And because they were changed, and they were changed from the inside out, it was something that was visible. It was something that was known, seen, and read by everyone. A different kind of letter. And not a letter of recommendation on parchment, but a changed life. And so it begs the question, why does our story need to be edited? Right? Why would their stories need to be edited? Aren't they fine? Aren't we just fine today? Well, the answer to that question is you don't have to just look at your own life for a moment and slow down and consider what are the parts of your life, yes, that you like, but what are the parts that you don't like? Again, in an unkind world right, that's broken, marked by sin, where there's hurt and pain, it doesn't take much, but to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, right, where the creation was perfect. We were created to be in perfect fellowship and relationship with God and with one another. Like without any, any hurt, without any pain, without any shame. And God gave one command, and that was to not eat of the tree of, of good and evil. Not so much the command, but really it was an invitation to trust God and to follow his word and follow his command. But what we read is what happened is that they took the fruit. Adam and Eve took that fruit and ate it. And yes, they broke the command, but they also broke the trust with God. And in essence saying, God, we don't trust you. We don't trust your word. We're going to go our own way. We're going to make it. We're going to do whatever we want, whenever we want. And that's the marker of sin and rebellion of humanity throughout human history. And it began right there. And what happened? It's a very sad story. Because we read in Genesis 3 that their eyes were opened. And they realized that they were naked. And because of that, they took fig leaves and they sewed together something to be able to hide their nakedness. And then they hid from 
God. Right? As you think about this initial account in Genesis, how sad that is, that the loving God, this loving Heavenly Father who cared for them, who provided for them, that they were so full of shame that they had to create their own fig leaf like covering and go hide from God. And in the midst of that moment, what does God do? God doesn't run away from them. God goes to look for them in the cool of the day, and he says, where are you? Where are you? And then we read that they say that we, that they said we were afraid because we were naked, and we hid. Right, in this passage we see that in this broken world when we turn away from God and our life stories take a negative turn, that there's shame, that we hide from God, we hide from others. And most of our life we're trying to put on a front just to make sure everyone else thinks we're okay, but inside we're not and we're struggling. And we see here in that passage in Genesis and we see throughout the Bible that God doesn't leave us there. He comes approaching us saying, I want to help you. Where are you? And that question is a question of love. Where are you? And as he comes and finds us, that's where he engages us. He engages our life story, right? He seeks to lovingly edit our life story. And in doing that, he seeks to restore our life story. Right? And this is the pattern of all scripture. So as we think about that, what happened with these, with these dear Corinthians, right? They allowed themselves to be, their life story to be edited. They gave God the pen of their life story. And they gave it to him to edit. Um, now, if you think about our lives, most of us, if we're honest, uh, live what I call first draft lives. Or you think about writing papers or you know, write, doing some, making some type of presentation, right? If, especially if you procrastinate, which I did a little bit in college. If you're like at the final moment and you, you just write a first draft and you submit it and hope for the best. But we know that the best presentations, the best papers, the best stories are edited, aren't they? Where you give it to someone, maybe someone to proofread at a minimum. But even better, when you give it to an expert who knows what, what about the subject matter and can give you expert advice and expert edits. Most of us, however, live first draft lives, meaning we refuse to give God the pen of our lives and say, I could write my own story. And I could write it better than you, God. I don't need your help. And God says, but I'm here. I'm an expert editor. Hand me over your life. Hand me over the pen. And let me edit your story. So what does this mean for us today? As we think about these Corinthians who did give their, the pen over to God, give themselves over to God, uh, I want to say again that you are a story. You are a story. And God wants to engage your life story, edit, lovingly edit your life story, and restore your story. So I give you these questions to think about. As you think about your life story, what, is, what are the things that you like about your story? What do you like about your story? What do you not like about your story? And how could then God, in light of this, restore your story? As you think about that, I want to share a part of my life story um, that I don't like. And as I should do this, I want to give it as an example of where God has asked me and over and over to give him the pen to edit my part of my story. Um, some of you know that uh, my little sister, Taryn, um, I have an older sister, Heather, I have a little sister, Taryn. Taryn, who was born on January 2nd, 1978, healthy. And uh, 22 hours into her life, 
tragically and traumatically, the, the medical staff lost track of Taryn. And because of that, uh, the way that she was positioned in her bassinet, um, she couldn't breathe. And by the time the medical staff discovered Taryn, she had almost suffocated and died. Uh, they were able to revive her, uh, but the brain damage was significant. And not just the brain damage from that day, but the seizures that occurred that day and in the weeks and even months ahead led to additional, additional brain damage, uh, where for her and her cerebral palsy, a very, very, very um, severe case of cerebral palsy uh, led many to tell my parents, look, just, you could put Taryn in a home and just forget about her. Because her life expectancy wasn't to be long, maybe at most five to six years. And so my parents, as we've talked to them over the years, said, look, uh, my mom said, that's, to make that decision to put her in her home, that's not the Christian thing to do. We're going to raise our daughter. And my dad uh, saying, look, that's not the Chinese way to do things. We love family. We're going to take care of our daughter. And they chose to do that. And it's been, a, it's been a hard, hard path for them. And to this day, my dad is 83 years old. They're still taking care of Taryn. Now, here's the good news. Taryn is still alive. Here's a picture of her. I love the shirt she was wearing this day. Blessed, right? She is blessed. Taryn is still alive. She is 43 years old, still living to this day. All right, but as I reflect on my life with her and our family's life with her, it's been a hard road. And if you are a parent with a child with special needs, or if you know families of parents with special, I mean, with children with special needs, or if you're a sibling like me of someone with special needs, or you know a family like that, you know how hard this is. And to be honest, in the beginning of life, I focused always on the positive. Look what God, look, look, how, look how far she's come. Look how much she smiles, and that's good. But God has allowed me to step into more aspects of that story and to ask some harder questions of him. And so when I've been honest with God, I've had, I've had to give, bring him my anger and my sadness and say, God, in anger, why did you let this happen? Couldn't you have prevented it? If you were an all-powerful God, couldn't you have prevented this? And then sadness, right? What, the loss of what could have been. Loss in terms of not only Taryn's life, my parents, I know that we're planning on having four children. There was another sibling that could have been along the way. There could have been additional kinds of vacations without all the things that were needed to take care of Taryn. It sounds selfish, but the sadness of that and the loss is very real. So over the years, I've had to say, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to give you the pen of my life. I'm going to give you the pen of our family's life and trust that even in this, in this broken world where disease and death wasn't meant to be a part of it, that you can still edit this story for your glory. And let me tell you, he's done that. Right, because Taryn is an example of unconditional love like no one else on planet Earth. Right, my parents will come visit hopefully in the beginning of September and you'll see Taryn. Watch out, she's gonna try and hug you. And I'm telling you, it's not because we've trained her, she loves to grab purses. It's like, we, people think we're trying to like get money, for, like we're like going, like th going through like shopping centers and Taryn, she, she loves to grab purses. It seems like a great way to, to get people's, no, it's not that, but like, so be careful. Taryn's not going for your money, she's going for your heart. And so here's a picture of her when she visited a couple weeks ago down in Virginia. Uh, but it's taken that step. And so I don't know where you are today. I don't know in terms of your story um, what you need to give to God. And it begins with those questions again. What do you like about your story? 
What do you not like about your story? And then ask the question, how can God work in your story? Because I believe that God hasn't given up on any of our stories. He hasn't given up on your story. He hasn't given up on my story. And he wants to engage your life story, lovingly edit your story, and restore your story. And with that becomes, comes joy, with that comes freedom, and with that comes restoration. And it's only something that God can do and do perfectly as the perfect author and editor of our lives. Um, as we consider this, um, you know, my hope, my prayer, and my vision for us as New Providence Presbyterian Church is that God will work in every single one of our lives in this manner. Right? That all of us would be willing to surrender to his love and his restorative work in our lives. Right? That God's not done with you yet. God's not done with me yet. And until we go to see him face to face, none of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. No one's story is perfect. And we could give ourselves to God. And my prayer is that every single one of us would be willing to hand over the pen to God and say, God, you can edit my story. And you could do it better than I can. And that we would not, imagine if we all did that. Imagine if we all woke up every day and said, God, take the pen. I've tried to write my own story. I've, done, I've been fairly successful. Here in North Jersey, a lot of you are very successful, but on the inside, we're still longing. We need your help. We need your grace. Hand over the pen to God and say, please edit my story. Imagine if none of us, all, imagine if all of us chose not to have first draft lives and that we actually made ourselves available to God and his feedback and input on our lives. And here's the hard part, the feedback and input of other people in our lives. That's where it gets a little messy where the blind spots that everyone else sees but us, that we actually let people in and let God use them to edit our stories. What could be different? Imagine what type of church we would be. Imagine how much hope and help and light would pour out, not only between one another, but out into this community that so desperately needs the love and light of Christ. If we all hand over the pen and say, God, it's not easy. It's not my first move. But please, edit my story. It's amazing what can happen. So as you think about this, I want to give you one thing to remember, one thing to do, and then a set of questions as we go into this week. One thing to remember is this. That like we started at the beginning with a little twist. God restores our life stories. I'm going to add something. To be read for his glory. Right? God restores our stories for his glory, but they're read by other people. Just like these dear Corinthians, their life stories were seen, right, and known by everyone. And so God, if we give him the pen of our lives, he can do an amazing work, not only for us, not for, even for one another, but for a watching world, right? One thing to do, yes, one thing to do is to give God the, commit to this, right? Commit to this. I invite you to even put a pen by where you sleep and in the morning wake up and say, God, I'm just giving you this today. I'm going to give you this, the pen of my life. And through surrendering to his love and his sort of work in your life to see what he does to restore your story. I'm going to give you a moment to think about this as we finish in prayer in a moment. But before we do, three questions to consider as you move into this week. I invite you to consider these questions maybe over lunch today, uh, maybe later today over dinner. I've had some great feedback talking to different families who some of them around the dinner table have engaged some of these questions. So whether you do it as a family or individually, I invite you to, and I'm a big journaler, to, to journal about these questions, really go deeper. One is, I've been asking throughout the sermon, what is a good part of your story and what's a bad part of your life story? 
right, to slow down and actually play the movie of your life and actually reflect on those different things. To, there's good parts and there's bad parts. Second, and this kind of gets personal, we talk about with the dance analogy, stepping on toes, and it's going to step on some toes. To what extent have you given God permission to edit your life story? Right. Consider that this week. This is a question, it's really like an x-ray question of the heart. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like, God, I'm all yours. Whatever you want me to do, I'm surrendered, let's go. You could, you could tell me to go run into a wall, God, I'm all over it. That's 10. Not smart, but 10. At least running to the wall. One is, I've got this, God. Back off. Right? One is, I can write my own story. You may be a great author, but I'm going to write a better story than you, and I'm going to outsell you, God. I got this. Right? So on a scale of 1 to 10, you're somewhere on that continuum. To what extent have you given God permission right, to edit your story? And then lastly, as we think not just about ourselves, who, ask the question, who is reading your life story? And what are they seeing? Right, this gets really, this is really convicting. I know I've, I'm going to wrestle with this one. Who is reading your life story? And what are they seeing? What are they reading? Um, so as we come to this final time of prayer, um, I want to give us an opportunity to respond. And it just happens that in front of you in your chair are pencils. And so um, I invite you, I'm going to give a time, I'm going to pray, we're going to close our eyes so no one's going to see you. Um, if you feel led, if you have never given your life to Christ and saying, I want you to write my story. I want you to edit my story. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that this, today. And for others, maybe you've at points given God your, the pen and taken it back or somewhat given it to him, or maybe you've never thought about this. I'm also going to invite you to take that pencil, and if the pencil's already taken from in front of you, to, if you have a pen, or just put up your hand as if you have a pen. And I want to pray for you that God would give you not only the courage, but the grace maybe for the first time, or to do it again, to give him the pen of your life. And that today, July 18th, 2021, would be a marker in your life, a day that just wasn't another Sunday to go to church and check a box, but to say, God, I am yours. I want you to edit my story, ultimately, for your glory. All right, so let's pray, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. And for these dear Corinthian Christians, Lord, who weren't perfect, they were a mess, but God, they knew that they needed grace. And in doing so, Lord, they, from what we read in Scripture, surrendered their lives to you. And that the Spirit of the living God got to work in their lives, and you changed them from the inside out, Lord. You edited their story. And so, Lord, as we come to the 21st century today, Lord, you know every single one of us. You know our stories. Lord, you know the parts of our story that we like. You know the parts of our story that we don't like, whether it's something we've done or something that's been done to us or what's happened in our families. Oh, Lord, at this moment, God, we come before you seeking your help, seeking your grace. And so, God, I pray now at this moment, whether it's those who are here in person, if they grab a pencil from in front of them at the chair or if, uh, if they're online at home or somewhere else, Lord. God, if, I pray now if there's someone, Lord, either, we'll go either one, either if for the first time, God, they have never said, God, take the pen. I give it to you. And I ask that you would edit my story. You are the expert. I give it to you. Or others, Lord, who have maybe done that in the past or been a Christian or been a part of church but have never taken that step saying, God, I intentionally say, take my life. 
I want to surrender to your love. I ask, Lord, that uh, those who are here would take that pencil and simply lift it up. God, as I see different pencils either lifted up or hands, I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would meet each person in a powerful way today, that you would see this step of faith, this step of really of response and obedience. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage to give you the pen of our lives, trusting, God, that you will edit our stories for your glory, and in doing so, Lord, that we would experience and embrace your grace in ways that we have never done before. May it be the marker of our church family. And may you lead us forward, ultimately, Lord, so that we, like the letter that these Corinthian Christians were to that city of Corinth, that we would be a letter to New Providence, to the surrounding communities, and in fact, all the way out to the entire world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.